Mauna Kea is it's a dormant volcano on the big island of Hawaii. It's actually a 13,800-foot high mountain. Now, you can actually, with a four-wheel drive vehicle, you can actually drive to the top of this mountain. And so the, um, that's what Don and I did the last day we were there. But at the elevation of 13,800 feet, the air is, is so thin and, and the, the uh, altitude so high that you actually have to stop halfway up the mountain to uh, get acclimated to that kind of elevation. So we then made it to the top uh, early that morning and the air up there, it, it's thin to breathe. Um, there, there's not a lot of oxygen, so you can even start getting a little bit dizzy and, and not thinking straight, but it's that kind of environment. Now, it's a very um, barren, absolutely barren place because you're so far above the tree line that there, there's, uh, there, there's no way that anything at all is growing up there whatsoever. Um, you're basically just looking at these reddish-brown lava rocks as far as the eye can see, and you're actually looking down on the clouds which are below you. Now, also at the top of this uh, mountain are eight observatories, world-class observatories with the finest telescopes on planet Earth because this is the best place on planet Earth to actually view the stars at night. Now, this is such a, these are such sophisticated places that the public is not allowed to go inside of them. Um, so we were up there early that morning, and we are just enjoying actually the beautiful scenery. And uh, as we're up there, we, um, we saw a man driving into work at one of the observatories. And before he walked into the building, and unfortunately I don't have a picture of him, but he walked over to us and he said, hey, would you guys like to go inside and see the telescope? So we're like, sure, that would be great. So he took us inside and he started, he's just excited about showing us the workings of the telescope because he was the guy that, you know, made sure that mechanically it would spin around and rotate all the right ways. And, and he, he is a guy who just loved to talk. And as he was talking to us, both Don and I looked at each other because we both thought the same thing. This guy reminded us of Fred. And, and even, he even looked like Fred but maybe just like a Hawaiian version of Fred. So we called him Hawaiian Fred. And, and, he, and like Fred, he loved to talk. And he just kept talking, telling us all these stories about the mountain and his experiences on the mountain. And then he got into telling us about these sheep that we had seen on the bottom of the mountain early that morning. And he said, you know, those sheep used to wander up to the top of the mountain. Unbelievable. I, I have no idea why they would wander up to the top of the mountain because there's nothing to eat. Unbelievable. Nothing to eat, and they're wandering up here way above the tree line, way above where they find any kind of food. So he told us when he was young and foolish, he and his buddies would drive up in a Jeep, and they'd shoot those sheep. It sounded like it was almost just for sport. But Hawaiian Fred kept repeating over and over to us that I, I couldn't believe those sheep would wander up there. There's nothing to eat. They would starve. There's nothing to eat. And I couldn't help thinking as I was up there looking around that what, what a picture this is for us today. Because too often I, I have seen people wander where they will not find spiritual food. 
See, friends, right here in the local church is where we get fed with spiritual food. Right here in the local church is where we get fed and encouraged by one another. But yet sometimes people just think that maybe this isn't good or maybe this isn't good enough, and so they wander elsewhere. And there's always some kind of reason. Well, I'm not being treated fairly here. I don't like so-and-so. I'm not receiving enough attention here. Or um, I, I, I just want to find something that connects with me more. And so they wander off into the world thinking that they're going to find spiritual sustenance out there. And confirmants, you're sitting here going, well, that's not going to be us. Let me tell you, I've seen it happen a few times the Sunday after. Something becomes more important. Uh, church, Sorry, not church. Something becomes more important. School, work, um, family time, recreation, or I'm going on a spiritual journey. And what happens, though, is then you are out there wandering about with nothing to eat. Nothing to eat. Nothing to spiritually feed you. No word, no, no um, authoritative source to, to lean in on your life, to press down on your life, and to lift you up in your life, and to show you and direct you and guide you in the way that the God who created this world has designed for you. Nothing. There's nothing to eat. You have nothing there. And so you aren't being convicted about sin. And so you start, you start getting comfortable with the idea that maybe you know better than God does. And you aren't being reminded that Jesus alone has made you right with God, and so your faith in that wonderful truth starts to get weak. And you aren't being reassured that, that you have won the victory over the enemy, and so you start living in fear instead of living in hope and confidence like God designed for you to do. And so... You're wandering about with nothing to eat. You have nothing to eat and you're getting weak. And you have not enough to breathe and you're getting weaker. You have not enough to breathe because you don't have that spiritual breathing. You aren't repenting of sin and hearing words of forgiveness, which is like breathing for us. That's like gives us life. But you don't have enough oxygen. You don't have enough. You're not being reminded enough of repentance and then receiving that comfort of forgiveness so you don't have enough to breathe. So what's happening is that you're not thinking straight and you're getting dizzy and you're getting weary and you're getting weak and weaker. And you want to know what happens then? You want to know what happens then? Hawaiian Fred drives up in his Jeep with a sawed-off shotgun and he starts shooting at you. But you are too weak and too tired to try to run away or try to defend yourself because you haven't been in the Word. Because you haven't been letting the Word of God guide and direct you and fill you up with what you need. This is a very real problem in each one of our lives that we haven't been in the word, if we haven't been strengthened in that faith that we heard the conformists talk about this morning, that we're going to hear them confess their faith in that we are preaching from the word of God, if we aren't being filled in that daily, we are like sitting ducks, sitting sheep. But in real life, in real life, our real enemy, Satan, he loves to find us out wandering about all alone. Loves that. Wandering out there all alone, weak, because we haven't had anything to eat. 
and, and dizzy and weary because we haven't had enough to breathe. So we're basically just filled with uncertainty, almost willing, willing and ready to, to follow any direction that we're given, any temptation that we're giving. We are uh, we're just easy pickings. It's like for our enemy, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like shooting sheep from the back of a jeep. Confirmans. can't see you out there in the dark, but I know you're sitting out there. Confirmans. Um, really everyone. This is so important. Let's not wander away from the word. Let's not wander away from our church community. We need to be in the word. We need to bond together to help each other walk our walk through this difficult world filled with enemies who want to take us away from our Lord. Let's not wander away from each other. Let's not wander away from the word. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He also said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Today is Pentecost, and we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. Our text is going to be from the night before Jesus was crucified. And he, he told the disciples that the Holy Spirit was coming, and he told them what, what, they were comi- what he was coming to do. So as this, earlier this week, as I, as I um, began wrestling with what text to preach for Pentecost and, and to encourage the conference as well as all of us in, in that importance. Um, there were a few that I could have chosen. One was the gospel. And, but I finally went with this one um, with our one from John 16. And, and so I got into it. And then halfway in the middle of it, I'm still kind of wondering, well, I hope this is just the right text. You know, and and um, as I was putting the message together, all of a sudden I noticed, um, I noticed the date that I'd be preaching on, 2016, May 15th, 2016, 5.15. John 16, 5-15. So I'm like, that's as good as any for me. Um, I know uh, that maybe God was saying, yeah, go, keep going with it. This is good. So here's what we're going to gather from this text. Um, let's get into it. Verses 5-7. to seven. Verses 5-7. to seven. Now I am going to him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. Okay, he's telling the disciples. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is going away. He's not going to be walking and talking with the disciples anymore, but here is how he will take care of them, and here is how he will take care of us. So what happens is the disciples were filled with grief. What are we going to do now that Jesus is not with us day in and day out? It's kind of like you confirmants grieving today. What are we going to do now? We don't have any classes with pastor anymore. It's kind of like a church when the pastor gets a call or when he actually takes a call. What are we going to do now? But Jesus said, that it would actually be better for us when the Holy Spirit comes. So now, if it is better, if it is better for us that the Holy Spirit comes than even having Jesus physically walking and talking with us, I think we can be certain that we will be all right one day 
when our pastor is gone because he took a call or because he retired because God took him to heaven. We will be all right because it is better that the Holy Spirit is with us. A physical human being like a pastor cannot walk with you physically every moment of your lives. Even a physical human being like Jesus cannot physically, in his human body, walk with you every moment of your lives. But the Holy Spirit, filling you with Jesus and filling you with his word, can. And that's why Jesus says it's going to be better. I did what I need to do here. I'm ascending to heaven to sit at the right hand of God, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to even do for you more than what I could do for you as a human being walking on this earth. And so confirmation classes, the, the, the Bible studies that prepared you for this moment, um, they prepare us for life. Our Bible studies prepare us for life because they, they connect us with the power of the Holy Spirit. They, they teach us how to understand the word. They, they, they ingrain in us habits of being in the word, of learning from God and, and growing on a daily basis so that we will be fed. Friends, everything we do here cross of life everything we do here in our local church is to prepare you for life out there and we do have because we have the holy spirit we do have everything we need here to prepare us for life out there we have to make use of it we have to feed from it we have to encourage each other we have to be at those things that are going to lift us up it's not going to help us if we're not there if we're not participating we're not in it but there's everything we need here to prepare you for life out there and all that it throws at you. And that's why we do this. And that's why we encourage Bible study. So let's take a look at what, the Holy, what does the Holy Spirit working through the word do for us. Verses 8 to 11. When he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So the Holy Spirit will convict or convince the world in regard to sin, because people don't believe in Jesus. Sin is rejecting God. Sin is rejecting God and really wanting to do things your way wanting to do them even the enemy's way. Sin really is, is starting to think and believe that you know better than God does, that your way is actually better than God's way is. So you need to hear the law. You need to hear what God's way is. You need to hear what God, who created this world and gave you life, what his way for living life is. And therefore, you need to be convicted because life doesn't work your way. I think we've all figured that out. I think we've all experienced that, that when we try to go and live life our way, it isn't going to work. And so we need the Holy Spirit to convict us in regard to sin, to show us how that ain't going to work. Second thing he does, he will convict or he will convince the world in regard to righteousness because Jesus is going to the Father. Well, Jesus is perfectly righteous and holy, but we have fallen far short of that. But Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection for us, has given us his righteousness and holiness. And then he has gone to the Father, who now sees us as holy. But if we can't see Jesus physically right in front of us, we need to understand that. We need to realize that. And that is what the Holy Spirit is coming to do. That is why the Holy Spirit works through the word to let us know to assure us that we have been made righteous before God, right? But it's kind of, if Jesus has gone to the Father 
and he's not physically here, and we can't touch his hands and see the nail prints and touch his side and see that price he paid to make us righteous, sometimes it's a little bit hard, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit not only works through the word, he gives us this wonderful sacrament where he actually gives us the body and blood of Christ so that we can physically see and touch and taste Jesus, the, the price that he paid to make us righteous. And that is pretty comforting for people who have not seen the risen Jesus and yet believe. The Holy Spirit will also convince the world in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Hey, our enemy has been judged. Friends, our sins have been taken away. Sin, death, and the devil have been defeated. So people who choose the world also really choose the ruler of the world, who is Satan. And, and since he has been condemned, they will also receive and share in their leader's judgment. But those who believe in Jesus will live because Jesus has defeated the prince of the world. Look at verse 12. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So your learning doesn't end today. Confirmance, your learning does not end today. All right, if Jesus couldn't teach his disciples everything they needed to know in three years, I certainly couldn't teach you everything you need to know in like two years. You have much more to learn. We all have much more to learn. We can't bear it all at once. We can't bear it all on one day. It's a lifelong, learning is a lifelong thing. And so God sends the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives through the word all our life long. Verses 13 to 15. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So the Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So he will help us see, he will show us what we have to look forward to in the future. Read through the New Testament, read through the epistles. Um, it shows us what we have to look forward to. Read through Revelation. We see the victory that's coming for us. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Christ, the Word, in the Word. He makes Jesus known to us. None of us has ever physically seen Jesus, but the Holy Spirit makes him known. The Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one who brought you to faith and enabled you to understand Jesus' words. And now the Holy Spirit continues strengthening your faith and shapes the way that we live so that we can make him known to others. So here is that gospel text that we heard from John chapter 15. Jesus says, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is going to testify about God to us so that we can testify about God to others. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us so that we can make him known to others. So friends, let's make him known 
in our words, in our lives, in everything we do, in the way that we think, in the way that we live, everything. Let's make him known. South Point, Hawaii is the southernmost point in all of America. It might also be the most windy. It is extremely windy at South Point. It is so windy that it actually shapes the trees as they are growing so that the trees look like they are being blown with the wind even when the wind isn't blowing. That wind is so powerful that it actually shapes large trees to always look to always look like they are blowing in the wind to always look like they are being impacted and influenced and affected and moved by the wind trees shaped by the wind of god like those wind-swept trees do we show evidence in our lives of being shaped by the wind of God's Spirit? Do our lives show evidence that God's Spirit is blowing on us? When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples on the day of Pentecost, their lives certainly showed evidence that God's Spirit was blowing on them, that that God's Spirit was influencing them and, and enabling them. And now... After Pentecost Day, right now, God's Holy Spirit blows on us in the Word. Do we see evidence of it? Do we see evidence of it in our lives? Are we people, friends, are we people who, have, who are convicted of sin? Are we people who are convicted of sin? Or, or do we kind of live as though we think that our way is really better than God's way? Often. Do, do we... Um, do, have we been getting pretty comfortable in living in ways that are actually kind of harmful to us? Do, do, we, uh, do we really maybe think that maybe we're good enough to, 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 to make ourselves right with God? Or are we people who are convicted by sin, who, who just are blown away by the fact that, that we have failed and, and we need a, a Savior and we need the, the grace of God? Secondly, are, are we people who are convinced of righteousness, that, that even though we haven't been righteous and, and perfect, that, that God made us righteous through Jesus, and, and that God now sees us as holy, that he sees us as righteous. Since we can't see Jesus walking, talking with us today, we need the Holy Spirit to convince us of this, and this is what he does when we are in his word. But, but here, I want, uh, let's look at that the other way, too, in our response of thanks. You see, if Jesus has gone to the Father, um, and we don't see him now, without seeing Jesus day in and day out, walking with him like the disciples did, it's a little bit harder to know how to live, isn't it? I mean, how are we supposed to know how to live the righteous kind of life that says thank you to God? If Jesus isn't there to kind of hold our hand and show us how to do it, the Holy Spirit, the whole, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us now. He points us to Jesus in the word to show us how to live, okay? Friends, we get shaped by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit is influencing our lives in the Word, our lives get shaped by the Holy Spirit. Now, just think about that tree. Now, if you just picture a normal tree standing straight up, one windstorm comes through, whoosh, and then the wind is gone, it's still, is that tree going to be like that? No, it's going to be popped back up, isn't it? A tree gets like that because its whole life 
that wind has been blowing on it and shaping it and making it look and showing that it is always being influenced by that wind. And that is something that happens over time with power and strength. So think about our lives. I mean, are you going to go to like one Bible study and just, that's good enough? Are you going to come to church just one time and like, all right, you know, I'm good with God now. Or maybe just come on Christmas and Easter? Is that going to shape our lives? No. Our lives get shaped when the word is constantly being applied to our lives, when the word is constantly influencing our lives, when we are constantly reading and hearing and growing and digesting that word. We're being shaped by it so that we look like Jesus, so that, we, so that people can see our lives and realize there is something different about you. There is something that is influencing you, that there is something that is affecting and impacting your life and has made you different in a very permanent way. And I see something in you because what they're seeing in us is Jesus. The Holy Spirit shapes us. And the third thing is, are we people who are being, who are living in the victory of our enemy's judgment? Are we living with hope? Are, are we living with confidence? Uh, are we a community that is making God's name great? Like a windswept tree showing the evidence of the power of that wind on it. Because here's what, is, here's what happens when Here's what happens when the Holy Spirit is shaping us. The Word is living in us. The Word is dwelling in us. It is becoming part of us. We are looking like Jesus. We are sounding like Jesus. We are thinking like Jesus. We're we're thinking like Him. We're loving like Jesus. So actually acting like Jesus. We are testifying like Jesus, making Him known. Friends, are we doing these things? Are people seeing the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? They will when we are in the word. Confirmants, I want to urge you. I want to urge you to remain in the word. Okay? Do not wander away from it. Do not wander away from it. Let it shape you. Let others see Jesus in you so that you can make him known to others. Um, broken English is, is actually a language. There, there was a Vietnamese woman who was waiting in a very crowded ER waiting room, and she was overhearing a very frustrating attempt at a conversation between a nurse and a new patient. And uh, the, the, the patient spoke Spanish, and the, the nurse did not. Now, the Vietnamese woman didn't speak Spanish either, but she understood just enough bits and pieces of broken English because of her own experience in trying to communicate with broken English. And so she understood just the gist of what that Hispanic woman was trying to say. And so she offered to translate. And it worked so well that uh, eventually what happened is that they hired her on to be kind of a translator of broken English in that ER waiting room. Friends, the Holy Spirit also speaks through broken people to a broken world with language that every broken heart can hear and understand. Because we know what it's like to be broken by hatred, we can speak of the healing love of Christ's sacrifice. Because we know what it's like to be broken by uh, despair and guilt, we can speak of the healing hope of Christ's forgiveness. And because we know what it's like to be broken by doubt, we can speak of the healing faith 
in Christ's promises. And because we know what it's like to be broken by illness and death of loved ones, we can speak of the healing wholeness of Christ's resurrection. Friends, because we know that all of this, that, that we have been given all of these truths by the Spirit of God, because we have been shaped by the wind of God, because the Holy Spirit has made Jesus known to us, we can make him known. Amen.